Bible smuggler Patrick Klein has been in some difficult situations. If we were Chinese Christians, they'd have beat us or killed us. In those difficult times, Patrick draws on the example of our persecuted family. How can I not talk about Jesus? He's everything to me. After delivering Bibles to dozens of countries, Patrick offers a challenge for Western believers. I don't want to play it safe as a Christian. I want to take more risks. I want to do more for God because the time here is short. We'll share more amazing stories of God's protection and his faithful servants around the world. And we'll challenge you to get involved right now on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. I'm Todd Nettleton. Last week, we talked with Patrick Klein, the founder and president of Vision Beyond Borders, about his work smuggling Bibles into hostile and restricted nations. If you weren't with us, you can go online to vomradio.net to hear that conversation. I hope you'll do that. It's worth it just to hear the story of Patrick and his team landing in Iran with 80 Bibles in his suitcase, 80 Farsi Bibles landing at Tehran Airport in Iran. Log on to vomradio.net to hear that story. I'm thankful to have Patrick back with us this week, and I want to start out talking about some of his toughest, scariest, most tense adventures to deliver Bibles. Have you had some experiences where you were really scared about yes. what was going to happen to you? Share, yeah. share some of those. Uh, you know, when they had the Olympics in Beijing several years ago, um, we actually stood up. We brought a big load of Bibles in for the pastors, and we, uh, they told us it was illegal, and they, were gonna take the, they took the Bibles away from us, and they said, now leave. Well, I was leading the team, and, and I asked the team, I said, I feel like the Lord is saying we need to stand up to the government. And because they were lying and saying, you know, there's freedom of religion, Bibles are available everywhere. Even President Bush had gone to church in Beijing. And I just felt the Lord said, stand up to them. Now, in years past, I'd kind of just signed the receipt and left. But this time I felt like the Lord said, stand up. Everybody was in agreement. And so we stayed in the customs for 26 hours. And Todd, there was like three or four times they came in and they were mad. They were yelling at us. They just want these Americans to leave. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was crazy. You know, they were they were inferior. And I thought if we were Chinese Christians, they'd have beat us or killed us. I mean, it would have been no problem. But you know, it became an international incident. And there was a couple times I didn't know what was going to happen. And I just said to the team, I said, you know, I heard if you resist and you you stiffen up, that's when bones break. So just go limp, you know, and and just don't resist them, you know. And and there was those times that I've, I've wondered, okay, is this it? Is the Lord taking us home? I, I was in Afghanistan in a war when they were dropping bombs all over the place. And that was, we were just bringing the gospel and it wasn't because of persecution that they were doing this. It was a war going on. But I thought, honestly, because rockets were going off, and, and I thought, for sure, I'm going to die today, you know. But God has kept me alive, and, you know, I think as Christians, I think we need to be at that place where we say, you know, God's in control, and I entrust myself to Him. And, you know, if my life can bring more glory to Him by my death, 
Lord, so be it. And I just think, you know, and, and you could say this the same. You meet those pastors and Christians around the world who have suffered for their faith, and they're set free from all these entanglements of this world. They're freer than we are, you know, because they know their times are in his hands and that God is, you know, is author of life. And so they're freer than we are in America, even though we say we have freedom. They're free because they're not entangled by all the, the trappings of this world. And they they just become so single-focused, like, I just want to preach the gospel. I just want to live a life that glorifies God. The verse that you talked about, that he's numbered our days, it, because that's what I share with people, too, is that, hey, you know, when God says my time is up, it doesn't matter if I'm in Iraq or if I'm on my couch in my yes. living room. My time is up. Right. I'm going to be going. Right. So the key is to be ready all the time uh, and just understand that, that, you know, we can do everything. I, I talked to a Christian who had been arrested in Saudi Arabia uh, several years ago, and he said, you know, until God says so, you're invincible. You can do anything and go anywhere, <laughs> and nobody's going to stop you until God says your time is up. Um, so... I love that that spirit of, hey, let's go until the day comes when we're not going anymore, and then we're going to heaven. So right. we're talking with Patrick Klein. He's the founder and the president of Vision Beyond Borders. How, how do you prepare your teams to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in those situations of even, I mean, you've shared about, hey, go in this lane of the customs line. How do you How do you do that yourself? How do you prepare yourself? But then how do you prepare your teams to to be a part of that where you're literally living moment by moment depending on, okay, God, we need some guidance here. Well, what we do is we pray before we go in, and we're just asking God to direct us. Um, what I encourage people, like if we're flying into a country or whatever, you know, um, you can't really openly read your Bible because you're flying into a communist country or a Muslim country. So I, I don't encourage that, but I just say, you know, just kind of be quiet and just be praying and just asking the Lord to direct you and, and to give, give you impressions if you're supposed to go a certain way or if you're supposed to go to this line or that line. And, and just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Don't spend a lot of time talking and everything else. You can talk a little bit but, and just act like you're tourists. But really try to be focused on the Lord and say, Lord, how do you want me to get through? Because, you know, in the Old Testament, the Israelites didn't fight every battle the same. Right. You know, uh, in some places it was in the mulberry trees and other, then there other places they're digging ditches and, and stuff like that. And so God has a strategy to get through. And it's like, okay, Lord, show me that strategy. But maybe the strategy is not to get through. Maybe I'm to witness that person in customs. And so, you know, I just get kind of, you know, I want I wanted to get mad. I get mad and my righteous anger, you know, I wanted to, you know, yell at him and stuff like that. And I've learned I have to die to my flesh, count to ten and say, Okay, Lord, help me to respond, not react, but respond with the love of Christ. And a lot of times God will give me questions and I'll start asking them questions. Well, I thought you have freedom of religion. You don't you don't have freedom of religion? Um, why can't I bring this book in? I don't you, you know, I thought you are open-minded, you know, and you start asking them questions, and sometimes God uses those questions to get you through customs. Let's talk about, uh, for the listeners that want to go on a trip with you, because I know this is a part of the ministry of Vision Beyond Borders, is, is taking people, loading up duffel bags with Bibles, and going all over the world. What's the age range that you've taken people overseas? 
Um, actually, I've taken them down to about eight years old. But with that age, you have to have a, a, a parent with you because, you know, legally we have to have right. an, an adult with them. Uh, so we can take anyone under the, uh, up to the, about the age of 18. 18, they're legal, then they can go with us into a closed country. What they do is they just go to our website, and there's actually a trip application there. They apply, and then there's also a trip schedule, and they pray about which trip to go on. And then we have recommendations where their pastor and maybe a good friend of theirs has to refer them. And then they raise their own support. We provide all the, the supplies and the contacts. And what we want people to do is come over and just meet these people and hear their stories. Because, you know, as well as I do, when you meet them, you hear their stories. It's like, how do you come back and live the American dream? I mean, it's it's not a dream. You're changed forever. <laughs> I will just tell you, you will never be the same after you sit down with somebody who's been in prison for several years for serving Christ, and instead of being down in the dumps and depressed, they're excited and they want to tell you about all the people they got to share Christ with in prison and how great that was. When you come back, you're different. You're, yes. You're not satisfied anymore with... Uh, the sort of watered down sometime Christianity. It's got to be full bore, 100%. You're listening to Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. How old can you be? Um, you can be as old as, you know, if you can still go. I mean, we'll help if you. If you can carry a bag of Bibles. You... We had actually had a guy from that was working with the VOM that was 73. And he came when he was 67 the first time. He said, I'm going to go back and lift weights so I can start picking up those 70-pound <laughs> bags easier. <laughs> and he came, and he actually, uh, the last two trips he came on, he brought some of his grandsons. And he had wonderful what a great time. idea. He had a great time with his grandsons, you know, and, and one of his grandsons was reading the New Testament every night. He said, you know, I've never read the whole New Testament from cover to, to, you know, from cover to cover. And he said, I told God I would do this on this trip. And he got a lot of time with his grandpa. His grandpa imparted a lot of wisdom to him, but every night he was laying on his top bunk and he was reading the whole New Testament. And I believe that God really used that. And I've heard other stories of other grandpas that had that time with their grandsons, and it changed the whole course of their lives. And I think when we see, you know, the church that's persecuted, it shows us what the church is really supposed to be like. There's single focus. It's all about Jesus. It's not about man. It's not about self or anything. It's all about glorifying God. And it challenges us to come back and say, okay, am I really living the Christian life, or am I just going through the motions? What a great ministry for a grandpa or a grandma to have with their grandkids. Take them on a trip, uh, get to see the world, get to meet some amazing Christians, uh, get to travel. Tell us about some of the people you have met with. Uh, I, I know one that you talked about this morning in our chapel service here was Benjamin. Uh, tell us a little bit about Benjamin and why he inspires you. Uh, Benjamin is an evangelist in his country. This guy is incredible. He has such a passion to reach the lost. He has a passion to go to every religious site from the west side to the east side of his country. This guy walks 8 to 15 hours one way to bring the gospel to people that are religious and steeped in, in the cultism and have never heard the name of Jesus. This guy is just so focused. Um, he's actually been in prison twice for his faith because he preaches the gospel. He was even told, if you get caught again, it'll be capital punishment. And he's like, Pat, how can I not talk about Jesus? He's everything to me. 
He's my Lord and my Savior. He's preparing a place for me in heaven. He said, I have to talk about Jesus. So even though he was banned in his country from preaching the gospel, he was going to surrounding countries around him wow. to get the gospel out because he's that determined. Now, Todd, nobody has to tell him in the morning when he wakes up, okay, well, you need to go in such and such a village. He, first of all, he knows he needs to be in prayer and in the Word. He knows that. I mean, that's where his source is. And so, but then he also gets his marching orders from the Lord. This is where I'm going next, you know, and, and it's so cool because he's, He's not easily discouraged. Even when he was in prison twice, the first time I met him after, the, after he was in prison, he said, brother, you'll never guess what happened. I said, what? He said, God allowed us to go to prison to bring the gospel to the prisoners. He said, we <laughs> preached to 135 prisoners, we led 20 to Christ, and we baptized eight of them in the prison. Wow. He was excited. Yeah. He wasn't like, oh, woe is me, you know, yeah. it's, it's hard. life is so hard. He was excited. You know, and then when I saw him the next time afterward, he had been in prison for two months. And he said every day he was witnessing the prison warden. And after two months, the prison warden said, if you stay here any longer, I'm going to get saved. So you need to leave. <laughs> so here's this guy. Even when he's in prison, he's sharing the gospel. Now he's started Bible studies in 13 prisons, has started 23 house churches in his country. Wow. But it's, it's people like that that inspire me because... I think, what if we all live like that? What if we were all sold out for Jesus Christ like that? The world would not be the same place. It would be totally different. <laughs> and I know at one point, in, in, while he was in prison, the Lord really laid on his heart to witness to somebody, and he, he didn't like this guy. He didn't, <laughs> he, he didn't want to witness to him. Share about that. Right. So he was a notorious criminal, and the Holy Spirit kept saying, share the gospel with him. And he was like, Lord, I don't want to. I don't like this guy. And the Holy Spirit kept telling him, you know, share with him. So finally, one day in the bathroom, he was able to share with him because they weren't watched in the bathroom. And he ended up leading this man to Christ, discipled him while he was in the prison, and then baptized him. And that man went back to his country now and has planted 30 churches. Wow. So if the Lord is, is talking to you about talking to somebody about God and you're arguing, stop arguing and just <laughs> talk to them. He may have great things in store for that person. What happens in your heart, Patrick, when you sit down with somebody like Benjamin and you hear these stories and you see the smile on their face? What does that do for you? You know, it inspires me. It's like, Lord, I want to do more for you, Jesus. I want to step out in faith. I don't want to play it safe as a Christian. I want to take more risks. I want to do more for God because the time here is short, you know? And like we said, God's numbered our days. And really, until that time, we're invincible, you know? And I don't want to be one of those people that just sits in the pew on Sunday morning. And I heard one guy say, you know, my Christianity is what I do on Sunday morning for two hours. The rest of the week, I live for myself, and I'm thinking, you need to get saved. Because when you come to Christ, truly come to Christ, he overhauls our life. He goes to every motive and deals with thoughts and intents of our hearts, and he changes us and makes us more like Jesus. And I think when I meet somebody like Benjamin, I'm just so humbled because he's such a humble servant, but he just walks in obedience to the Lord, and I'm challenged like, Lord, I want to give more for you. And I just want to challenge people that are listening, you know, God wants to use our lives, and it's our choice if we're going to let him. He's not, he's not saying, oh, please, somebody, somebody. He's saying, whosoever will, you know, I want to use you. But the choice is, are you going to obey me? I know not very long ago you were in Southeast Asia and you were delivering Bibles in the Hmong language. And I want to, I want to ask you a little bit about the challenges, because in some of these countries, you know, thinking like an American, I say, well, 
you know, wouldn't it be more efficient if they just got Bibles in their country? You know, what, you know, why do you need to carry Bibles into them? Talk a little bit about that, and, and in particular with regards to the Hmong people and the Hmong Bibles. Well, for the Hmong people, they can't get Bibles inside, inside Vietnam and these countries in Southeast Asia. They cannot get them. Um, the government wants them to give up their Hmong ethnicity and give up their language, their culture, and everything else and become Vietnamese or whatever the, the main people are in their country. And, you know, they feel like, you know, this is who we are. We're not going to give up our language and everything else and our culture and just to adapt. And so we need to carry the Bibles into them. And, you know, Todd, it's amazing how grateful they are. When I was just there recently, um, I actually went to an underground Bible school. Uh, there was about 40 pastors being trained for two weeks. Um, I was able to bring a big load of Bibles to them. One of the pastors, his house church had been raided two weeks before. Okay, And they came in and they went to take the Bibles from them. And the pastor's wife, she refused to give up her Bible. And so here she is fighting with these communist officials. I can imagine this. <laughs> a little, this a little, little tug of war with the Bible. <laughs> right. And this little tribal woman. And, you know, in a communist country, you don't resist the police no. like that. You I mean, they'll shoot told. you or they'll hit you over the head. Who knows what they'll do to you, okay? But she loved the Word of God that much that she was not giving up her Bible. And so they're fighting with her. And they said that eventually they let her have her Bible. They let go and let her have it. Her wrists were sore for about three days. But she was not giving up the Word of God. And I thought, would we do that in America? Do we love God's Word that much that if, the, if somebody came and said, okay, everybody hand in your Bibles, that we would say, no, we're not giving up our Bibles. This is the Word of God. We are not going to give up our Bibles. We're going to stand for Jesus Christ. The head pastor said, you know, this man's wife is a hero because she stood for the Word of God. Um, they end up losing about 22 Bibles, and thankfully I had a big load of Bibles and was able to give them 22 Bibles to replace it. And then another pastor said, can I have 18? Another one said, can I have 14? And it was just, it was such a blessing for me because to see these men and the joy in their faces to get the Word of God and to know within days they were going to be back in the villages and to think of how people treasure the Word of God and how they would be studying that Bible and reading that Bible. And I thought, Lord, I pray that America would have that kind of love for the Word of God again, that we would tremble at your Word, that we would love you, Jesus, and, and that we would really be grateful for our Bible, not just put it on the shelf and take it down at Christmas or Easter, and, and, but we would actually be in the Word on a daily basis and, and seeing what does God say, you know, and not being influenced by the world, but being influenced by the Word of God and being renewed in our minds. I think of that pastor, and from my understanding, in Vietnam, it is, it's illegal to print not just Bibles, it's illegal to print anything in the Hmong language, yes. because they want, as you said, they want to make those people become Vietnamese and take away their Hmong identity. Uh, I think of that pastor, though, just being raided two weeks before, and then you show up with Bibles, he must have just thought, isn't this awesome? God, yes. God had already had a plan to replace those Bibles that were just taken from us. You know, it was he was so joyful. It was so neat. And then to see the other pastors, they were encouraged as well. You know, and and you know, God loves these people and he wants them to have his word. And that's what comforts me when I'm going across the border. Lord, you want these people to have your word more than I even want to carry it. Uh -huh. So Lord, this is your work. This is not my work. This is your work. Lord, you've got to blind their eyes and customs. You gotta make a way where there seems to be no way. And he does it. 
And it's just amazing because we know the word is taking root in their hearts. And we know the Hmong people, the church, is just growing phenomenally because they don't want you to come and just teach a group of people, like 150 people. They're like, teach a dozen of us, and then we'll go back and we'll teach everybody everything you told us. Wow. And that's how the gospel spreads so fast. A discipleship model that works right there. You're listening to Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. You can listen to every episode of VOM Radio at www.vomradio.net. You have been not not very long ago in in Iraq and, and in the Middle East. Tell us about the state of of the Christians that you met there. You know, it was really tough to meet a lot of the Christians in northern Iraq. Um, actually, we were in Dohuk, about an hour away from Mosul. Uh, they said last year. In June, there was uh, 52,000 security forces protecting Mosul and the surrounding areas, 3,000 ISIS. When they went to bed at midnight, the security forces had the upper hand. When they woke up at 4 a.m. in the morning, they had surrendered to 3,000 ISIS, gave them all their ammunition, everything, all their guns, everything. And here were these Christians, you know, they went from door to door, these ISIS people, and told them, convert to Islam, die, or leave with your clothes on your backs. And most of the Christians left with just their clothes on their backs. I even saw people who are handicapped that walk for 10 miles on, on crutches. And they are living in church basements. They're living in community centers. And, you know, they're kind of a people without a country now. And one guy said, you know, it was really hard because an Australian young man who had converted to Islam and joined with ISIS told the Christians, you don't belong in Iraq anymore. This is not your country. You need to leave. He said, an Australian guy. Wow. And he said, you know, it's hard enough when you have, you know, people from your own country telling you don't belong, but somebody that's converted to Islam and telling you don't belong, you know, from Australia. So, um, but it was interesting meeting these people and they're, you know, like I said, they're living in church basements, community centers with a tarp separating them from other families. But I met this guy, and he said, you know, I think God is disciplining us. He said, we forgot God. We stopped praying. We stopped reading our Bible. We stopped praying and seeking God. And he said, I think God is punishing us, disciplining us. He said, we've lost everything. But he said, now I live with my family in this small area in the church basement. He said, I have my family together, and we have our Bible. We have Jesus, and that's all that matters. He said, we have devotions now as a family. Every night we read the Bible and we pray together. And Todd, I just thought, what a wake-up call to America. Because as a country, we've forgotten God. And we push his word aside and we don't seek him as a country anymore. We just laugh at him and scorn his, his ways. And I thought, Lord, are we headed for that in America? And I just thought, Lord, please prepare your church. Get your church ready for hard times ahead. And I think the good news, that's a very sobering reminder, but the good news is the revival that we see happening there. And and people who are returning to God, they're returning to the Bible. They are digging deep now. Um, But I I think of those people without a country, uh, truly what the Bible calls strangers and aliens. They're they're living it every day uh, without hope. What kinds of, of ways did they ask for, for prayer? What, what did they ask for us to pray for them? They're, they're concerned about their futures. They're wondering where will they raise their children? You know, will they be able to come to the West? Will the West come in and help them so they can get their homes back? Uh, many of them said that there was landmines placed in their homes by ISIS. So they're scared. 
and they're just wondering where is the future. But like you said, there's a revival taking place. Many of them are turning to Christ. Uh, those that were just common nominal Christians walking the fence, all of a sudden they're saying, you know what, Jesus is our only hope. And all throughout the Islamic world, we're seeing revival taking place. People are hungry for the truth, but they just they ask that we would pray with them and pray and stand with them and help them through their hard times until you know they figure out if they're going to come to the West or if they're going to be able to go back and resettle. We're talking with Patrick Klein. He's the founder and the president of Vision Beyond Borders. Uh, Patrick, for our listeners that want to go on a trip, uh, what do they do? H- how do they start that process? Uh, they can go to our website, which is visionbeyondborders.org, just one word, visionbeyondborders.org, and then they can look under the trip schedule, and it just lists all of our trips, and then there's also a trip application they can fill out there, uh, and they fill it out, get some references, send it in uh, with a deposit, and then say, I want to go on this trip, and then what they do is they start raising their funds. We start communicating with them and go through the application process with them. And then uh, what we'll do is try to meet up in a place before we go into a country, a closed country, and we'll teach them a little bit about how to go through customs and just prepare them. And then when they come, it's, it's, we like to work hard. We Usually we go to Asia and we hit it hard. We hit several countries, heavy loads of Bibles. We want to take big loads in because when you meet those believers, and I mean, how do you bring two or three Bibles when you know there's 300 standing there right. waiting for a Bible? You know, and it's like, you know, I want to believe is God. great. Let's do everything we can. <laughs> right. So we, we carry big loads, and we trust God, and we're like, God, this is your work. You've got to blind their eyes. And so uh, they come, and they, we work hard, and they meet the contacts. They hear their stories. And in the process, their life has changed, and they see what's eternal rather than just the temporal. So what kind of a time frame is that as far as the application process and the fundraising? How long does that usually take? Uh, usually about three months, okay. about three months. And then the trips are usually from one to three weeks long. Okay. So if you're going to Cuba, those are usually about a week-long trips. Uh, if you go to Southeast Asia, those are two to three-week trips. So I would encourage our listeners, if, if you have ever thought about going on a mission trip, uh, I would totally encourage you to pray about this opportunity to consider going with Patrick with Vision Beyond Borders. This is a great opportunity, and we've talked about the fact when you come back from meeting with persecuted Christians, you will be changed. I I sometimes compare it to a a bug that you catch, (laughs) and you cannot get rid of it. Um, It will change your heart. It will change the way you think. It changes the way you read the Bible. Uh, It just—it will impact you greatly, and I love the story about— Grandpa and grandkids going together, what a great idea, what a way to impact the generations of your family. Um, So I would encourage you, go to visionbeyondborders.org, fill out that trip application, look at the trips they have coming up. Uh, This is a great way to connect directly with our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. Patrick Klein, thank you so much for sharing today. Thank you for your passion to reach the lost, your passion to assist the church, Uh, and the work that you're doing. Thank you, Todd. I really appreciate it. We've talked a lot about Bibles this week. Did you know that you can be a part of getting Bibles into the hands of Christians in hostile and restricted nations? You can through VOM's Bibles to Captive Nations Fund. And as we mentioned last week, some of the Bibles that Patrick delivers around the world are Bibles provided by the Voice of the Martyrs through the Bibles to Captive Nations Fund. If you'd like to give online, you can visit us at vomradio.net. 
Then at the top of the page, put your mouse over the Donate tab and then click on Bibles to Captive Nations, bomradio.net, then the Donate tab at the top of the page, and then click on Bibles to Captive Nations. Is there any greater gift we could give people than to give them God's Word? I don't think there is. Also at vomradio.net, you can listen to last week's conversation with Patrick, where he shared even more stories of Bible deliveries, as well as listen to all the other episodes of Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thanks for listening this week. Pray for the delivery of Bibles around the world, and we'll see you next week on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.